guys. Well, if you're here this morning and you're grateful for what the Lord has done for you, for his amazing love that he's shown you, if you're here this morning your heart is full, like Thad said, I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's sing about it. Let's sing about his amazing love. Let's sing about his goodness. Uh, let's just lift his name high and worship this morning. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm loving you, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose It's my joy to honor you. 
guys at the uh, end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that he kind of wraps it up by saying that uh, if you listen to these words of mine and you do them, you're going to be like a man who built his house on a rock. And, uh, you know, the winds come, the storms come, that house is standing. And if you listen to these words of mine and you don't do them, you'll be like a man who built his house on shifting sand. When the storms of life come, uh, that house is going to fall. He says that the, the fall will be great when that house crashes. So that's our prayer for this song. As we sing this song, guys, think about what you're building your life on. Every day you are building your life on something. Let's make sure that we are building our life on the solid foundation that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. 
trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken around. Great to have our young people up here. Most of them are young. <laughs> Brian is pretty young. He's younger than I am. Well, hopefully your Bibles are in First John chapter 2. You should have a handout stapled on the correct side been a few of you who have not liked where the staple is placed. You'll get over it. <clears throat> My wife and I have three boys, and they're all grown, and they're all out of the house. Praise the Lord. We sure did love having our boys in the home. Uh, as they were growing up. And one of the things that families do, uh, some families, I guess, not all families, but you might have a basement wall or the inside of a door or the inside of a garage on the wall, um, a commitment to measuring the growth of your children. Ours happened to be on the inside of one of the bedrooms, inside of the door, and um, as the boys were growing up, 
1901 Croydon Circle, we would measure their growth. One year I decided to measure mine. I wanted to see if I would get any taller. I never got any taller. In fact, I shrunk. But our boys grew. It's natural to see as children are born, they grow. They grow right before our eyes. And you measure that growth in different ways. But one of the ways that you can see tangibly a difference in most children is as they grow taller. All of my boys are taller than me, the youngest one by just a smidge. But they're all taller than me. And one of the fun things to watch was the stage of development as they continued to grow and we continued to measure. The markings on the door went from down here to six foot, six foot one. That's what Caleb is. I always wanted to be six foot tall and the Lord never allowed that to happen. But it was a measurement, tangible measurement of their physical growth. And as we come to this section of Scripture in 1 John, John addresses the spiritual growth piece in the life of Christians and the stages of growth. So when you see fathers mentioned, he's talking about spiritually mature believers, men and women. When you see young men being discussed, and we'll look at that next week, you'll see what he says about young men and then he talks about children. So I want to kind of set that as the, the part of the groundwork for our time together, that you would understand that there are different stages in the lives of believers. One of the hardest things to do is to assess where you are. It is difficult to do, but I think it's important to do. One of the things you're going to find is, specifically as we address the issue of, of children today, you're going to find that there may be some crossover where some of these things that I mentioned, although you've known them for a long time, if you're a young man spiritually or a father spiritually, they may be great reminders to you. Um, that Can that happen? It absolutely can. Just for an example, as one of your children may get saved in your home, then you and your wife, assuming both are believers, have the responsibility to train up those children in the Lord. And one of the things that happens quite often is as you're training your children, you run across something that maybe you hadn't considered in a while, and you go, yeah, that's important. That ever happened to you, right? Whether you're talking to your children or whether you're talking to another believer who you, who you may be discipling. So I want you to, to get your mindset around assessing maybe where you are as we go through this. But I want you more to focus in on what John says as he talks about these different categories, if you will, or stages of spiritual growth. There's some groundwork that we need to, to lay. I've got a handout for you. Hopefully you have that in your possession because you're going to need it to fill in some of the things that I've put there for you today. 
If you notice in the verses, John, and this may seem like a very technical thing, but it's a very, very important thing. John writes in two different tenses. He writes in the present tense, and he writes in the aorist tense. And in doing so, if you read it, you're like, what are you saying, John? You seem to be saying the same things over again. Why, why do I have it like this? Well, here's the explanation. Um, many theologians uh, have this in their commentaries and or you can go to Vines. There's a lot of different um, tools that you can use. They all pretty much say the same thing. Um, that What John does as he's writing verses 13 and 14, where he uses the present tense in verse 12, in verse 13 he says, I am, I am, I am, I am. But as you come to the end of verse 13, he says, I have written to you. And then he comes to 14, I have written to you. And he says it again, I have written to you. So this is called in the, in the um, Greek, the epistolary aorist, which says that the author of the letter, that being John, puts himself in the place of the reader and describes as past that which to himself is present, but which will be passed to his reader. Does that make sense? Well, if that doesn't make sense, this is what, how you could summarize that. In other words, I write is from John's perspective, and I have written his anticipation of the reader's perspective when they receive the letter. It's also, though, however, written that way for emphasis. Um, John repeats himself. I say on two occasions. I say as he's addressing fathers and as he's addressing young men, he repeats himself. But we're going to see that there's a difference between the word usages as he relates to children. He uses the term technion as he describes verse 12, and he uses the word paideon as, he, as you have it in verse 13. Not to notice those differences to me uh, are significant because as you come to the text, it's imperative that you honor what the intent of the author is. I will say there are different viewpoints, right, um, that some believe that when he uses those terms, even though they're two different terms, he's talking about the stages of spiritual maturity. I hold to the fact that in verse 12, it's a generic statement to all who belong to the Lord, and I'll tell you why in just a few moments, all right? So we're on this subject of spiritual maturity, of growing in the Lord A.W. Tozer, just to kind of get your mind around the importance of this and consideration of this, A.W. Tozer said, Complacency is easy and is a deadly foe of spiritual growth. What do you think about that? Is complacency easy? I think it is. I think it's easy to kind of just go through life and go through the Christian life, even as you might be a young man or a father in terms of your spiritual stage, there are still times, and one of the things that we battle are times of complacency. Maybe you go three or four days without opening the Word. Maybe you go for a month. You know, maybe the only time that you open the Word is when I say open your Bibles, you know, right? I'm not saying that's a pattern that necessarily develops, 
but that it can happen, wouldn't you agree, it can happen for two or three days or a week or two. And we know we live in a busy life, and a lot of times um, it could be that the Lord gets our leftovers instead of the first fruits. So just something to kind of think about. I think Tozer makes a good point because as you consider what the Bible says, there are some warnings in this area that complacency can set in as it relates to spiritual growth. I'm going to give you a couple of passages. This kind of sets the stage for what we'll be discussing in 1 John. As he's writing to the believers in Corinth, Paul says, And I, brothers, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. Did not mean they were not saved. Okay? That's very important to understand in the context because he's about to say he has to speak to them as what? Infants in Christ. These are saved people. You have theologians that argue that for and have been for years. But it's quite clear that they are in Christ. That's a positional issue. So that once one is in Christ, they are in Christ. So at the moment of salvation, you were placed, you were baptized into Christ. For how long? For good. Okay, forever. So he says, and I, brothers, cannot speak to you as spiritual men. In other words, they weren't behaving as spiritual people, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not yet solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for, he says, you are still fleshly. You are being driven by the appetites of the flesh. Does that happen to people? Does that happen to believers? Different stages in their spiritual growth. It absolutely does. Because we look in the church itself. We don't need to go beyond the church for examples, do we? We look in the church itself and at times we see spiritual fathers who are being governed by their flesh. Or spiritual men and women who are being governed by their flesh. And we raise our hands and we say, what's going on? Well, maybe a lot of answers to that. But one of the things that we could say is they are not being led by the Spirit. That's what we could say. They've given in to the lust of the flesh. And so Paul really chastises these believers. Not sure that Paul would be a welcome speaker at any church today. So he says, you're still fleshly. You're still acting like, right? You're acting like an unbeliever, not living like a believer. But they were believers. And that phrase, in Christ, says they were. Well, the author of Hebrews gives us another example of times when there's difficult discussion as it relates to spiritual maturity or growth. In the warning section in Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 12, that's a entire section he talks about spiritual maturity and in this and he's writing to believers which Hebrews is another one of those books that is up for grabs when it comes to discussion you're going to run into people who say well the warning passages are intended for unbelievers but boy I think you're going to have a hard time proving that that's my opinion Um, but this is what he says 
for by this time you ought to be teachers. Well, who in the world is that going to be? That's going to be a believer. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles. And you know, in the Northeast they said elementary. <laughs> I could never get used to that. So when they read this passage, they would say elementary. So he says, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. In other words, they weren't growing. They were spiritually dull. He says, and you've come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. That's a tough statement. The word righteousness points to what? Truth. The word. Is it always easy to hear instruction from the Lord as it relates to my life and yours? And the answer is no. So he says, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. Because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And that's what spiritual fathers are able to do. They are able to discern good and evil, and we could say spiritual men and women applies to both. And you know those kind of people who are able to discern good and evil. As he says here, they have their senses trained. So those are a couple of examples of what can happen even in the lives of believers. So this issue of spiritual growth and maturity is really, really critical and I want to give you a couple of practical things to think about. Really critical as it relates to the way I live each day and to the decisions that I make. You know, you throw out that word decision and there are a lot of decisions to make in life. Every day. How are those decisions made? Um, spiritual maturity is wrapped around all that. Alright, now, let's go back to First John chapter... To verse 12, and he begins with instruction to all of them. That's my argument, that he is using a term here that's different from the second usage uh, in verse 13. He says, I am writing to you little children um, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. The term there is technion. Uh, it's a different term than the term paideon in verse 13. Technion is used in several places in 1 John where he speaks to the entire group of believers. If you want to say it this way, he's speaking to fathers, young men, and children. He's speaking to all of them. There are several examples in the book of 1 John. The word technion means born ones. Ones who are born again is the idea. Well, who is that? Those who belong to the Lord. Who belongs to the Lord? Children, young men, and fathers. If you're just taking it based on context. No one is more justified than the other. Did you hear what I just said? Whether you're a child or a young man or a father spiritually, none is more justified than the other. That is very important to hear. Might I say it one more time? It is a distinction, okay, that we understand. 
that he is not talking about the fact that, hey, somehow fathers have a different position. No. They're young men and children are just as justified as fathers. Does that make sense? It's very critical. And here's why I say that. Because a lot of times, this, and this has happened, I would just say by way of example, I've noticed this. I've been in the ministry for 31 years, and I have noticed a difference in believers' attitudes at times as it relates to looking at the church, the believers. And what I've noticed is there's a whole lot of judgment as it relates to those who are children and who may not be maturing as quickly as one might like. And so this person might say, well, they may not belong to the Lord. So that's a problem because how is a man justified? By faith alone in Christ alone plus what? Nothing else. It's not attached to works. That's something that's just by way of observation over the years. So there's a difference here that has to be pointed out between the two terms that John uses in this section of Scripture. Um, the first one is the word technion, meaning born ones, ones who belong to the Lord. Um, it's also a term of endearment. You know, John loved these people, and he writes that way, and he uses the term technion over and over to address the born ones. Notice, I've just given you three examples of where he uses this term technion in writing to the whole group. He writes them to them also in chapter 2, verse 28. He uses the term technion in chapter 3, verse 7, and in chapter 4, verse 4, which I did not include. But he uses a different term there to address the whole audience. And so when you get to the last verse, which is an interesting way to end the letter... You know, usually it's farewell, come see me, I'm coming to see you. Um, looking forward to the return of the Lord, he says, Little children, technion, all of you guard yourselves from idols. Why? Because it is a temptation to all. Fathers, young men, and children. And when we get to the discussion of idols... A lot of times we think about, you know, these little trinkets that are met, uh, made or these little wooden images, but mm, we got a lot more to talk about when it comes to idols. Because an idol is anything placed before God. So when we sing a song like, You're All I Need, probably some thought needs to be put behind that. Not saying we shouldn't sing the song. But surely it is challenging when you consider the words themselves. So he uses this term over and over again to address all the believers that he's writing to. Stephen Cole says what John writes to the little children or born ones applies to every stage of the Christian life. So whether you're talking about young men and or fathers, so... I would, I would say it this way. All of us need to listen up. Right? You might assess, hey, I'm a father. I'm a spiritual father. I'm mature. Or I'm a young man. I don't really need to listen to what is said about the children 
as it relates to Piedon, Piedon, as we get to verse 13, but we need to listen to all of it. Do you know within this congregation there are children, young men, and fathers? And there's another stage. There are those who don't know the Lord. There are unregenerate people, potentially in this building, who have no relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. But as it relates to the context and what we're talking about, it's important for us not only to assess, but to be teachable. I know as I was going through this and preparing, I'm like, there is so much here to consider. You can't just fly over the material. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. The second term that uh, John uses, so verse 12 applies to all, and we're going to get to breaking down that in just a few minutes. But it leads to discussion about the second term that is used in verse 13. Notice what it says in verse 13 at the end of the verse. I have written to you children, paideon, different than technion, because you know the Father. So, as we look at this particular clip in verse 13, what is he talking about when he says that they know the Father? Well, before we get to that, I wanted to define for you the term paideon. The term stresses the need to be under direction or instruction. New believers need to be under what? Direction and instruction. And where's that going to come from? The Word of God. The Word of God is the manual. Okay, We have to get in our minds that the Word of God is our manual. Hey, listen, I'm not against other outside sources, so hear this correctly. The primary source is the Word of God. Okay, can we, can we agree on that? That's the primary source. And we cannot assume, and it is made, and it drives me out of my mind, when a person comes to Christ, let's say at the age of 25, that somehow they know everything to do in the Christian life. Can I tell you? They don't. Well, they'll put those cigarettes down. They'll stop drinking. Whenever. I don't even want to go off on those subjects. But they're not going to immediately conform to what you want. Who is their teacher? The one who indwells them, the Spirit of God. And what is he going to use? His word to convict them of things. It makes me weary when I have people discuss with me over the years. I'll just say over 31 years. Sad, I wish this person would get rid of this habit in their life. Well, okay. But where are, have we ever stopped to think, where are they in relationship to their spiritual growth? And we know this about the Spirit of God. He's going to lead us into all truth. And you know what he's going to do for them? Lead them into all truth. And it's not going to be your legalistic approach that's going to help that person grow. You agree with that? It's going to be the Spirit of God. I had many great teachers over the years and still do. I have all these elders that I get to listen to when I'm not standing up here. They're wonderful teachers. And they encourage my growth. And guess who teaches Thad? 
Spirit of God. Spirit of God. So let's do this. Let's agree to let the Spirit of God work in the hearts of men and of women. They do need direction, children, spiritual children do. They do need instruction. That's the idea of the word paideon. Okay? They need it. Now, you don't walk up to a person and say, you need that instruction. That's not how you approach that. But when a person comes to Christ, then I believe the spiritually mature and even the young men in some cases and women can disciple. And I would just say this, and I don't know that I should have to say it, but men disciple men and, 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 and women disciple women. Does that make sense? Now, this is what happens. If, if, a per, if, if a young person in your home gets saved, then who does the discipling? Parents do. Right? Say, so, well, what if one of them is not saved? Well, the one who's saved disciples. And the grandparents can insist in that. That's one of the beauties about it. But the responsibility, as I understand the Bible, primarily falls to fathers. This is what it says. So if you're a, a father here today, you have a huge responsibility in discipling your children. But there may be people who get saved and they're in their, you know, 20s. Or they come from a home where maybe they don't have, you know, spiritual parents. Well, whose responsibility is it then to disciple these people? To provide the direction and instruction. The church. And specifically, those who are more mature that can lead them in their life. And this is what has happened over the years in the church. And this is one of the challenges is to have a consistent, systematic approach to discipling people. You know, people get saved. We're thrilled about, we're thrilled about that. We clap our hands and say, hope it works out. Well, no, no, no. We go after that person, right, and we disciple that person in the Word of God. So when, when John makes the distinction between these two terms, it's distinct. It's different. Because Pideon says these children in their stage of their growth need direction, need instruction. It speaks of one who needs to be developed, so that means there has to be an awareness on the part of the church when people first come to Christ so that there can be the approach of discipling them. Well, notice what it says in verse 13. I've written to you children, Pideon, because you know the Father. He's not speaking of no here in relationship to salvation. He's speaking of no here in relationship to fellowship. He uses the same word for fathers. They have an intimacy with the father. Now, they're not as far along in that intimacy as the fathers, but they are close to the father. And how is one close to the father? Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as I was considering what that looked like, I mean, I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit just provided these things. Um, I do not know what you're going to think about them. Um, oh, well, but they're important. And I think one of the things you're going to find is that as we go through what's needed for those who fall under the category of Pideon, 
all of us are going to benefit from it. If you're a spiritual father or mother or young men or young uh, women today, spiritually, you're in that stage, you're going to benefit from this. This is what a paideon needs, okay? They have intimacy with the Father, but they need to learn under godly men and women, Titus 2. You know what the Titus 2 principle is? The older instructing the younger, okay? There's a spiritual maturity that, that, that needs to be there for those who have been saved for a long period of time. That's why what A.W. Tozer says is critical. The complacency, it can't set in. There needs to be a discipline in the life of a believer to continually grow in the Lord. They need accountability from those who are more mature. And they need that accountability. Spiritual fathers, you know what? You need accountability. (laughs) You haven't arrived. Young men, you need accountability if that's where you put your stage of spiritual growth. Right? You need accountability, and we know... Those who fall into the category of Pideon, they need accountability. That accountability comes from those who are more mature. You know what you're going to find? I'm just going to give you a personal example. I've had people in my life that I have discipled um, that are young believers. And you know what I find? There's always something to learn for me or to be reminded of. I can't tell you how many times I sit there thinking, and I don't tell them this. But I, I really needed that. I really needed that. I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of the faithfulness. As we were singing the songs today, don't, isn't it nice to be reminded of the faithfulness of God? Do you go, well, I already know that. I already know. No. We don't cross our own line. Already. No, it's, it's a refresher. It's, a, it's like, man, Lord, thank you for that reminder. You are faithful. And a mature believer will start thinking about the ways that God's been faithful to them, and then what the scriptures give us by way of example where we see the faithfulness of God. A a Pideon does not know that necessarily. They have to grow. I think this is so beautiful the way John's constructed this. Um, It's just a beautiful, even in itself, the language he uses, accountability has been created within the church. Okay. Okay. This is a heavy one. As you work with those who are in this category, they need to prepare themselves for discipline. So if you're one of those young believers today, and you're sitting there and you would say, well, I'm in this category, you need to prepare yourself for discipline. You say, already, let's say you're 25 years old and and you're already living out on your own and whatever, and you're like, discipline? I thought that was over with. I mean, I'm out from under my mom and my dad. I'm good to go. The chains are off. Well, those of us who are spiritually further along the road would say we know the discipline of the Lord in our lives, don't we? Do you? Have you gotten to the point in your spiritual growth where you know the discipline of the Lord? I can say that I know it in my life. 
I know it. I know when it happens. You know what happens right before it? Disobedience. Can I, I'm just throwing off the coat and telling you the truth. Disobedience. You know what's difficult about being further along the road in your spiritual maturity? Is knowing when something's sin and doing it anyway. Knowing when you're making that decision that this pleases God, but my golly, I'm going to do it anyway. Or not going to the Lord first. I'm saying, I, I can handle this. You ever done that? Let's just take that simple example. Hey, God, I got this one. And then he reminds you through something. No, you don't. What is that song? I need thee, Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Discipline. Hebrews chapter 12 says, It's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. All of us who belong to the Lord are sons. We've been adopted into his family. Isn't that nice? We got the stamp. Nobody can take the stamp off. We're his. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? This goes against the grain. Let's just use a home for an example. Does there need to be consistent discipline in the home? Answer? Yes. Is there always? Answer, no. With any of us. Do you know what I find in the culture today? Children raising parents. If you turn back over to the spiritual, we don't raise the Lord. He raises us. He chips away and Refines us, and sometimes it's painful, isn't it? You ever had where he said to you, as you're reading and studying, you can't do that anymore. Now that you're aware of this, this is over. So that's what happens. I could tell you all day long stories from my life where God said, Thad, you're done with that. Dad, you can't do that. And I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about the Spirit of God convicting me. I didn't have a set of rules in front of me. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I am without excuse. I know what the Bible says. Be holy yourselves in all your behavior. I might not like the implications of that, but I know it. But a child's not going to know all that. So they have to be taught by us. And I'm going to tell you the best teacher is the Word of God and your failure as you're discipling those people. You said, the bath, they don't need to hear about my failure. Yeah, they do. Because none of us in here are perfect. Can we agree on that? Even if you don't agree, I'm looking at you, you're not perfect. 
And you're looking at me and you go, we don't even have to talk about that. You know, one of the things about this younger generation that I really appreciate, they want authenticity. They crave that. It's important to be honest. You remember when David committed his sin? Well, did he right away say, oh, well, let me deal with that? No. Nathan went to him. And he pointed at him and said, you're the man. What did David learn? Psalm 51 tells you what he learned. It's important that we disciple the Pideon in the word of God with honesty. With life illustration. All right, Pideon in here, you're not going to like that, but can I tell you about something about God's discipline? I want to give it to you an illustration of an umbrella. This is an illustration that's mine, and I hope it makes sense, but like, if I take God's word, and, and it's my umbrella, and I'm standing under that umbrella of protection... I'm good. But when I get out from under that umbrella and I'm not walking by the Spirit, it gets ugly. I would just encourage you, Pideon, through life experience, me letting you know, as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, when you're out from underneath that umbrella, those darts are painful. They hurt. But don't think that you're the only one who's ever stepped out from under the umbrella of protection. We all do it at times. They need continual encouragement in their faith. You say, well, that, where are they going to get that? Here. With you. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read this. Hebrews chapter 10. Please keep in mind as we're going through John, we are not on a timetable. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says about this issue of being together. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another. Who's the one another? Believers to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. The author says, it's important to assemble together. If you're a Pideon today, you need to be with other believers. Guess what? So do young men and fathers. And I don't think it matters. There are times whenever it's a challenge even for young men and fathers. Because we can get out of the habit. Certainly we could say that that's been one of the challenges over the last little bit. 
is this issue of assembling together. And I don't mean to be critical. It's great that we have the video. Okay, I hope I say this right. I love that we have the video where all of you who are watching today can, can participate in worship. And some of you will never be able to come because you're homebound. And I'm thankful for that ministry for you. But there are some that have become used to it, I think. Can I just throw that out there? Where maybe they need to be encouraged by the fathers and young men to be here. My pastor in New York, Phil Stam, told me something one time I'll never forget. When I was up in New York State, I got two weeks of vacation. I negotiated for three, my fifth year, and I got it. Then I left. <laughs> when I came to Spring Road, I was like, uh, hey, hold on a second. Pay me whatever the Lord leads you to do, but I want to keep my three weeks of vacation. But Phil used to tell me, Dad, you're missing out. You say, Dad, what are you talking about? Well, Teresa and I lived, it was, it's almost 24 hours from Little Rock, Arkansas to Green, New York. It's going to take you that long. And I don't think it matters what, what road you take. We tried every one. If you go from Birmingham, Alabama to Green, New York, it's 17 hours. So I would keep my vacations for Christmas. Why? Because I want to be with family. Was there anything wrong with wanting to be with family? No. But Phil used to say, Thad, you're missing out on the closest, maybe the closest family you'll ever have. Well, then I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Alabama's awesome. Arkansas's better. We're going home. And it wasn't until later on in my life that I came to understand it's awesome to have a church family. I've had people ask me, that, you know, 31 years is a long time. It is a long time. There's two things that keep me going. I love the Lord and His Word. I love you. That's it. You see, if you're the Pideon out there, you're going to come to grow to love the body of Christ like never before. So there are some that may need the encouragement of assembling together again. Listen to what he says. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. Boy, it become a habit. But encouraging one another. And how about this last phrase? And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day? There's a day of judgment coming. And so we know judgment's coming, but we also know who's coming. And who is that? The Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe all of us need the reminder that 
few more and we're done. They must learn to walk depending on the Spirit. Galatians 5 is a critical text. I would tell all of you who are by Dion and who are young men and fathers, all of us need that reminder. They need continual fellowship with God, which 1 John is pointing out. John is pointing out that in the letter, and there's test of that fellowship as you, as you go through the letter, and, and, and we're talking about that. But there needs to be a continual communion with the Lord. Now this one is phrased different, but the Pideon need to bring life to the Lord. Now I don't mean like you're inserting life in him. I don't mean that. You need to bring your life to him if you're in that category. But guess what? That applies to young men and fathers. We need to bring our life to him. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. And in this section, we are encouraged as believers. And Pideon, you need to be encouraged in this, but also the rest of us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, bring your life to him. As we do that, he says, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension or understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Bring life to him. You say, but how much of life is he interested in? How about this? All of it. All of it. I won't share necessarily the context of the story, but I was sharing with someone not long ago, in fact, just recently, there have been times in my life that I brought requests to the Lord, and I'm not sure I'm not sure how that's received. I know He hears me, but like I went through a period of time where, in my life, in in, in my preaching and teaching, and then as it relates to dealing with funerals and such, I remember on two or three different occasions where I, I specifically prayed, Lord, I need every word. I did the funeral of a a baby one time and 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 I remember going to the Lord and saying Lord I'm, I was sitting in my office and I'm like Lord I gotta have every word I can't get anything wrong I can't say it wrong and I remember standing up here and telling the people who were here that I prayed for that and the Lord honored that and he gave me every word do you know how hard that is? I don't type out my sermons. I type out my notes. But I don't type out my sermons. So it's hard to stay just to that. But the Lord gave me a freedom to stay just to that. Pideon, listen to me. The Lord's interested in everything in your life. Bring it to him. We're going to stop there. Because if I keep going, we're not going to be able to eat lunch. I hope that this will help you in your journey with the Lord. And even if you're in the category of being a young man or a father, that 
the Lord will stretch you and remind you of things that are critical to your own growth piece. I want to make this announcement before um, the praise team comes. Um, today is May Day. Um, we're supposed to have an event at Clay Park, I think. Uh, well, obviously that's not going to happen. So some um, arrangements were made and we're going to have the fellowship here. And my announcement to you is, no matter if you signed up or not, food is available. And for this church, that fits really well. Because probably a lot of you didn't sign up and think, can I eat? I've got good news for you. You can eat. There are 125 hamburgers and there are 70-something hot dogs. I hope they didn't get those, like, what do you call those pink ones? <laughs> Brutal. Who would admit they eat that? But I encourage you to be a part of that. One more thing as it relates to um, the parking. If some of you parked where the cones were, um, well, you weren't supposed to park there, but there's, it's called Grace Community Church. So there's grace. But if, but if you could take your vehicle, from what I understand, am I getting this right, Bill? And take your vehicle and move it to the other part of the parking lot, they are going to make room for you to park. Is that correct, Bill Knotts? That's correct. Okay, I was given many announcements that before. So if you could do that, it'd be great. You stay for the fellowship. Guys, listen to me. We're talking about encouraging one another, right? We just went over that. I encourage you to stay. Everyone needs the body of Christ. It's the way God made it to be. So I encourage you to stay and be a part of that. I don't have further instructions. I will close in prayer, and I'll just go ahead and pray for the food that we'll enjoy. And we'll, So if you get in line and you're first, you can say, it's covered, we're, we're good to go, all right? So let's have a prayer, and then I'm going to have Brian and them come up and close us out. Lord, it's great to talk about you and your word, and it's great to be reminded of things that we... Some of us already know, for some in here, there's a stretch in terms of understanding these things. And Lord, I believe that as John was writing this, he certainly loved his audience. He certainly understood the levels of spiritual growth and maturity. And um, we need to understand, Lord, that... Um, it's, it's just a wonderful reminder that we're all forgiven. We'll get into that, but thank you for the forgiveness of sin. And Lord, it's, it's good to be reminded of your expectation that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So wherever we are on our journey, whether we're a child or a young man or a father, I pray that we would embrace responsibilities that you give us in those stages of spiritual growth. Father, we pray that we would be relying on your spirit that teaches us. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Guys, uh, David writes in the Psalms and he invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, we sang about that earlier, right? He writes in another passage that better is one day in the courts of the Lord than 10,000 elsewhere. So the point is, is that 
nothing is better than God. We sang this song a couple of weeks ago. We introduced it. It's been out a while, but we want you to sing it with us as we close. Let's stand and close our service. I search the world It couldn't fill me A man's empty praise and Treasures that fade Never enough Then you came along Put me back together is now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is better than you I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you, Lord, there's nothing better than you, there's nothing better than you, there's nothing, nothing is better than you.
you. Let's pray and uh, you'll be dismissed. And the fellowship hall is that way. And um, so hopefully you'll find it. Hey, if you're visiting with us today, we'd love for you to stay. Uh, we're just a family. And we'd love to fellowship with you, hang out with you, get to know you. So let's pray and uh, then we'll go and find out if these hamburgers are any good. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the fellowship that we can enjoy with you, Father, through Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would be sensitive to, Father, the leading of your Spirit as we walk and live each day. Lord, we turn our attention to the fellowship that we're about to enjoy together. You tell us to fellowship, to encourage one another. And I pray that we would take this opportunity to do so. Thank you for all who are in our presence today. And as we eat, Father, we ask that um, the food would nourish us so that we might be strengthened to serve you. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Dismissed.